Heavenly Father, we ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to us now and save us from our waywardness. For, O oh God, we are your children, and we have come to seek out your word and to live according to your ways. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we continue our series in the book of Jude. Uh, we've been working our way through this book and uh, starting to understand more and more as to what it is that Jude is all about. Of course, Jude is the author. Uh, he is the half-brother of the Lord Jesus and the full brother of James. Uh, so he was born from Mary and Joseph. Uh, we understand that Jude's readers were uh, Christians in an early church um, that he was familiar with. And we understood that we've learned uh, uh, from this book that he was writing to them uh, to warn them against those who would justify sin uh, within their church by presuming God's grace. We saw that in verse 3 uh, where he gives the purpose of his book. He initially was going to write uh, to talk about the salvation we share but he says in verse 3, I felt I had to write an urge to contend for the faith, to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. And why, for certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago, have secretly slipped in among you, they are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality. These men were in the church and they were encouraging people to sin because God will simply forgive you. God is a gracious God, so therefore it doesn't matter what you do. And Jude has then started to give examples that the authors, uh, the readers should know uh, very well as examples to them why they should resist such uh, heresy that is coming from these false teachers. And so that's what we started looking at last time. In verses 5, 6 and 7, there are three examples given uh, to the readers of why you should not presume God's grace and do whatever you like. And so last time we looked at verse 5, the first example, and what was that of? Well, it was of the Israelites who came out of Egypt. The Israelites were brought out of Egypt under God's grace. And then what did they do? Many of them sinned and died in the desert. Um, we read that in verse 5. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. There were people who experienced God's grace, that he brought them out of slavery in Egypt through the Red Sea, but they did not believe in God, and therefore they were destroyed. And so this morning we come to the second example, which is given to us in verse 6. What is this second example of? Well, it's of fallen angels, of demons. We read it in verse 6. It says, And the angels, who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. Who are these fallen angels that are described in verse 6? Well, these are angels who once had authority, as we read in verse 6 there, and had a place in heaven, they had a home in heaven, but they lost their position of authority and they lost their homes, they abandoned their home and abandoned their authority. What does that mean they did? Well, they sinned against God. They were angels before God, but they sinned against God and became what we know as demons. And why did they sin? Well, we don't have a lot of details about uh, the fallen angels, about demons, uh, but uh, one of the root sins of all sin is the sin of pride. And we know that this is attributed to the great fallen angel Satan himself. Uh, we read in 1 Timothy chapter 3 where the qualifications are given for elders, and it says that an elder should not be a recent convert. Why? He may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He may become conceited and so obviously the Satan was conceited in some way and so all the other demons followed him in his conceit. 
Now, when did these angels rebel that are being spoken of here in verse 6, that these angels that Jude speaks of who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. What, what, what is this rebellion that he is speaking of in particular? When did they lose their positions of authority and their home in heaven? Well, this is a notoriously difficult verse. Of all the verses in the Bible... Uh, this is one of the hardest uh, to try and nail down everything about it and try and understand it in all its fullness uh, because we don't have a lot of details about fallen angels. Uh, we don't have a lot of details about uh, these demons uh, that are mentioned here in Jude chapter 1, uh, Jude uh, verse 6 here. Uh, and there's people who propose that this is actually speaking of uh, a matter that took place in Genesis chapter 6. Uh, some people would say that this refers to fallen angels at the time just before the flood in Genesis chapter 6. And the reason they referred to, they think that this is referring to angels who apparently appeared in Genesis chapter 6 uh, before the flood is because it appears that Jude knew the book of 1 Enoch, um, a book that is attributed to Enoch, uh, and he actually quotes it further down. And that book... I read a good section of it this week. Um, it actually talks in great detail about how some angels came to earth and had sex with um, female women, so humans, and then, of course, spawned children by them who are called the Nephilim. Now, this is a very old uh, take on Genesis chapter 6 uh, from the Jews, and of course it's uh, there in the book of Enoch. Uh, whether Jude actually believed this, it's hard to say, because of course he doesn't uh, give any more details than we have there in verse 6. Uh, but many commentators would say, yes, it uh, fell into, um, it, it was held by the early church fathers in, uh, with uh, by them, but uh, these days, uh, whether people would hold to this, it's a debated matter. Uh, whether angels could come and sleep with uh, human women, uh, it's something that uh, we don't hear of anywhere else in the Bible. We know that Jesus says that angels are, are not given in marriage. Uh, that they in the so we. It's a very difficult matter to try and understand. I'm not going to land on it in one way or the other, really. But I'm going to say that it's possible that the rebellion that is being spoken of here, of course, could be the initial rebellion. Uh, that we know of Satan and his angels as well. Uh, even that, there's limited information about that. Uh, people would say that Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 are references to the fall of Satan. Uh, you can look them up this afternoon and have a bit of a read. I will touch on Ezekiel 28 in a, um, a moment. But, uh, but basically, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 are meant to be allusions because they are speaking about the king of Babylon and the king of Tyre uh, to the fall of Satan. Nevertheless, uh, these angels, whenever it happened... They did not keep their positions of authority and they abandoned their own home and it would have been because of their sin and their conceit and their pride. Uh, and what's God done in result? What did God do as a result? Well, God has then kept these fallen angels, these demons in darkness with everlasting chains. We don't know all the details, but we do know this. In verse 6 it says that he, these he has kept in darkness and bound with everlasting chains. Even then, we have to ask, we know this, but what does this mean? What does it mean that they're bound in darkness with everlasting chains? Well, some would say uh, that, the, that they're in some sort of intermediate state of hell. Second uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says, God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment. So there seems to be some sort of intermediate state that may be referenced there in 2 Peter chapter 2, uh, where certain demons are being put into 
that sort of punishment, a punishment of hell. But others would say that this is just a way of describing the way that demons are chained to sin and the darkness that comes of sin. And so as they roam the earth, as there are demons, we see demonic activity, particularly in the pages of the New Testament happening, that that's part of their chained in darkness. Um, and that is what is being referred to here. I'm not going to say either way as to what I think it is either. I think it's a notoriously difficult verse. I wouldn't have chosen to preach on this if I had the opportunity to go somewhere and preach on any verse in the Bible. This wouldn't be the first verse I pick on, but we're working our way through it, and so I have to deal with it. But as to what you think it is, uh, that's open to you to decide. But we do understand that these are fallen angels who rebelled against God in some way and are now being punished with chains, bound in chains, with everlasting chains in darkness. So there's very clear that God is keeping these angels in darkness and in chains. And why is he keeping them? Well, we read in verse 6. He's bound them with chains for judgment on the great day. They are being kept for judgment on the great day, for the day of judgment, when they will be then thrown into the lake of fire, which will come to them because of their sin. Now, what then are we seeing here in verse 6? Well, we're seeing that there are angels who fell and are now, in one sense, in some sort of holding cell. If you think of uh, when you are arrested... Uh, you, you, may not, you won't be taken immediately uh, to a prison where you would stay for, uh, if you're given a sentence, but for a time you're put in a holding cell. Uh, there are certain jails here in Sydney where uh, you will immediately be placed and, uh, and you'll be retained there until they can put you in another prison or until a sentence is given and they know what to do with you. So there's this holding cell that takes place uh, for those who have sinned, for those who are criminals. This is what is really happening with, we can understand is happening with these angels, that they're in some sort of holding cell. They're being punished still, but uh, it is still that they're being kept for the day of judgment when then they will be uh, given their sentence, which is to be cast into the lake of fire, as we read in other parts of Scripture. Now, why does Jude want to talk about these angels and their holding cell, what they've done and, and what they've lost and how they're being punished and that they're being reserved for that judgment day? Well, it's because... Humans are like these fallen angels. Remember, Jude is trying to give examples for the people in the church, the humans, to understand why they must contend for the faith. And when we consider humans and we consider fallen angels, they're very similar. How so? Well, humans once had authority, just as these angels once had authority. Humans had authority over all of creation. We read in Psalm 8, the psalm that we opened the service with. It says... You made him, man, a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honour. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. We understand that humans are the pinnacle of creation. After all the animals and, and the, uh, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea created, God then put Adam and Eve over them all. They had authority, a position of authority. And also they had a wonderful home. God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, just like these angels once had a wonderful home in heaven. They had heaven itself. Adam and Eve had heaven on earth in the Garden of Eden. But what ended up happening? Well, like fallen angels, humans presumed God's grace and became proud. We heard it before when Genesis 3 was read for us. 
how they questioned God, God's rule. And they became proud and they sinned against God by breaking his law. What law? Well, they ate from the forbidden tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in their pride. They presumed they were above God's law in some way, just like these angels with positions of authority. They presumed they knew better than God and they fell. And how else do we know that humanity has followed on this trajectory? Well, we just look at our own lives and we see that we think that we're better than God and we know better than God. And so therefore we can sin. We see humans again and again, all humans, presuming God's grace and sinning against him just like those angels did so long ago. And so what's God done? Well, like the demons, he's reduced our authority over creation. We used to rule all of creation, but sometimes creation rules us. You go up to a saltwater crocodile and tell it that you rule over it. And you get too close, it'll show you that it rules over you now. We understand that we've lost our authority, just like those fallen angels have lost their authority. That there's a place that our authority has been reduced. And we've been expelled from the garden. We see that with Adam and Eve. They were expelled after their sin from the Garden of Eden. We do not live in heaven on earth, as much as we might like to think so in parts of Australia, that everything is, is, should be paradise here. Now, we understand that like the fallen angels have been expelled from heaven, we've been expelled from the Garden of Eden. So God has reduced our authorities, expelled us from the Garden, and what else has he done to us like those demons? What do we read in verse 6? Well, he chained them for judgment. He has kept them in darkness, bound with everlasting chains. And that's the case for us as well. How? Well, we're chained to our sin. Just as the demons are chained to their sin, their rebellion... And they're suffering, they're chained to it, so we, humans, are chained to our sin and to the suffering that comes with our sin, the consequences of sin. And so we walk in darkness. Humans walk in darkness in this world. They're chained in the darkness of this world. And so what is this whole world like? In one sense, it's like a holding cell in a prison. That we have sinned against God and God then has imprisoned us here in this world, in our sin and in our suffering as a holding cell. And why is it a holding cell? Well, because he's keeping us, just like he's keeping the angels, for judgment on the great day. There is a great day coming where God will judge all things. And he is keeping humanity in this cell, this holding cell, until he sends his judge to judge the world. But some of us may die before Jesus returns, And what does that mean? Well, God simply moves us from one holding cell in this world where we're chained in our sin and chained in our sufferings of sin, chained in the darkness, to another holding cell. We understand this place is the intermediate state. If we die unsaved, we die in our sins, we are transferred to a place that's the intermediate state where we will lose all authority. You may still keep some authority over creation here. You may show the mosquito that you're boss. You may still have a nice home. You may not have the Garden of Eden, but you may not have a nice home. But one day when you die, if you die in your sins, you will lose all your authority. You will lose your nice home that you do have. And you'll be transferred to a worse holding cell than has ever been known in this world. With even greater pain. Jesus describes it in Luke chapter 16 when he talks about the rich man and Lazarus. Luke chapter 16, verse 19, he says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Sounds like he lived in Eden. 
But at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away like Lazarus by his side with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Judgment, the final judgment, the great day has not taken place, but this rich man has already started to feel the pains of hell in the intermediate state. And then what will happen one day? Well, this rich man, along with all of humanity, whether they're here on earth or whether they're in the intermediate state, they will experience the judgment day where they'll pass before God's throne and those who are still in their sin, what will happen to them? Well, Jesus tells us that they will be cast into the lake of fire with the demons. We understand that from Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, where he says, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So Jude brings these fallen angels into our, and before the church there and for, before us today as an example for us because they are so like humanity. The fallen angels are all too like humanity, had great positions of authority, great privilege and a lovely home, but they became conceited and they fell. They lost their authority, they lost their home and God put them in chains in darkness, to be held for that day of judgment. This description of the fallen angels here is helpful for us because it describes humanity so well. And there's a, a good example of a given of humans and what could be a description of Satan in Ezekiel chapter 28. Uh, turn with me now to Ezekiel 28. It's page 847. It illustrates this so well. The fall of the king of Tyre, the fall of humanity, and possibly the fall of Satan. Because the way that the king of Tyre is described, it's such exalted tones. Ezekiel chapter 28, page 847, and we'll read from verse 12. From verse 12. Of Ezekiel 28. Son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, This is what the sovereign Lord says You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you ruby, topaz, and emerald, chrysolite, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. 
By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. So I made a fire come out from you, and it consumed you, and I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. All the nations who knew you are appalled at you. You have, become, you have come to a horrible end and will be no more. It's a wonderful illustration given to us from Ezekiel of what has happened to humanity. Started off well. The king of Tyre is a wonderful example. Started off well, but then sinned against God and was punished accordingly. And of course, this applies to demons as well and to Satan himself. So then we have to ask the question, if this is the state of humanity, what hope is there for humans? What hope is there for humans, including us who have fallen like the demons, like the king of Tyre? Because when we look at our lives, we're all guilty of presuming God's grace and rebelling, and we deserve chains in darkness for all of eternity. Well, there is a hope. There is a hope that's given to fallen humans, a hope that's not given to fallen angels. There is no hope for demons, but there's hope for humanity. And what is that hope? That hope is Christ Jesus. It is Christ. Why? Well, Jesus has brought light into the prison cell and broken the chains of his people. How did he do that? Well, Christ's authority was humbled. He left his heavenly home just as we deserve to lose our authority and to lose the heavenly home. Christ experienced that. He left his home in heaven. And what else did Jesus experience? Christ was chained in darkness. When was Christ chained in darkness? At the cross. At the cross, he was there in darkness, held to the cross. Physical darkness, but also the spiritual darkness of God's wrath. And why did Jesus do that? Well, he suffered as a substitute. He suffered as a substitute for his people. That's what Jesus was doing. It wasn't because of his own sin, because he never sinned. He didn't lose his position in heaven, humbled in his authority, and be chained in darkness because of anything he had done, but because of the sin of his people. And so what happens to those who trust in Jesus? Well, their chains are broken, and they can come out of the darkness into the light. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 12, verse 46, I've come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Jesus came as a light into the dark world so that no one would have to stay in the darkness. And so by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus takes away the chains of his people as they're chained to sin and chained to the suffering of sin and they can come out of the darkness. The cell door for the, for the holding cell that all of humanity is in is wrenched open by Christ. The chains are taken off and one day they'll be able to pass from this holding cell into paradise itself. The intermediate state of hell, whatever that is that we see described by Jesus about that rich man, that's not the future for those who have their chains removed. Instead, what is the future? It's not to be with the rich man in Hades. It's to be with the thief on the cross in paradise. That is our destiny as Christians. Our chains are gone. We come out of the darkness and go into paradise. And we are held there until we're kept there, until the great day of judgment, 
And then that great day will come and instead of being thrown into the lake of fire, we will pass into the new heavens and the new earth. This is the truth that is given to us in scripture, this hope that is given to humanity. So what about you? Are you still chained in your sin? Are you still chained in this holding cell, the prison of this world? Are you chained in your sin and the consequences of your sin? Are you living in the darkness of this holding cell, simply waiting for the day where you'll be transferred to that hell with the rich man? And then one day you'll be taken from that place before God's great throne of judgment and then cast into hell for all of eternity. Is that your condition this morning? That you are still chained in your sin? You're still in darkness. And one day you'll be transferred from this cell to another cell to be transferred to your punishment for all of eternity. If that is you, may it not be. If you're still in darkness, come into the light now. Come to Christ by the Holy Spirit's power. Come to Christ. Come to the light. God is making you an offer that was not made to angels and never will be made to fallen angels. He is making you an offer. What's the offer? That Christ will take the eternal darkness that you deserve, the chains that you deserve, that he will take them and bear them in your place at the cross. And so what will happen to you instead? You will be set free. You'll live in the light. Even while in this holding cell of this world, you will live in the light. There's a dark world that we live in, but we live in it in the light of Christ shining down upon us. And the chains that bind us to sin are broken so that we can actually do right. We can live righteously. And one day, if you come to Christ this morning, one day you'll be transferred to paradise when you die and then to heaven, the new heavens and the new earth. Come to Christ now. How do you do that? Well, it's by repentance and faith. That's what Jesus said before. I've come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. If you trust in Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, you will have your chains broken and have light shine upon you and one day be transferred to the new heavens and the new earth. Repent now. Trust in Christ now. Don't delay. Why? Because in this holding cell, the offer still stands, but in the next life it won't. There's no repentance. There's no faith for those who have died and have been transferred to the next holding cell. And you will never escape. If God can restrain demons with chains, then of course he can restrain you. So come to him now. Come to him by repentance and faith. There's hope for you. It's not given to demons. Come to him now. But we who believe, what does Jude want us to do in light of this? As we look at these angels, these demons this morning, well, he wants to contend us to contend against rebellion. He wants us to contend for the faith. How so? Well, we need to contend against the rebellious in society, contend against the rebellious in the church, and contend against the rebellious spirit that is even within our own hearts. Why? Because part of us still thinks that we are above God's law. 
Just like those angels so many years ago, just like Adam and Eve did so many years ago, and like we did before, part of us still thinks we're above God's law. And godless people in churches can encourage that spirit that is within us. After all, aren't we children of God? So therefore God's law doesn't apply to us anymore? Our Father will make sure that everything's okay, regardless of what we do. He wraps us in cotton wool and nothing can harm us. But we mustn't think that way. We mustn't think like those fallen angels. We mustn't think like Adam and Eve, and we mustn't think like our former selves. We must be careful that we do not presume God's grace as people were in that church and falling from the heavenly place in one sense. We have a heavenly place if we are in Christ Jesus now. We've got to be careful that we do not presume God's grace. Why must we be so careful? Because if we presume God's grace and blatantly sin, if we do not care about the sin in our lives, what do we show? Our chains are not gone at all. We have not been set free. And one day we will be cast into hell and await judgment and then be thrown into the lake of fire. The author of Hebrews writes in Hebrews 10, verse 26, a stern warning. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. It's a stern warning given to God's people. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. If there is any possibility this morning that you've been presuming God's grace and showing, therefore, by the way that you live, that your chains are not gone, that you're still in darkness. Come to God for forgiveness now. Repent of your sins and trust in Christ Jesus. But if you see yourself trusting in Christ and contending for the faith and not presuming God's grace, not deliberately sinning and thinking it'll be all right, God is gracious, then what should you do? What should we do? Well, we should rejoice and thank God. Why? Because by the power of the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, our chains are gone and we're destined for heaven. We have been given a privilege that was not given to demons to have our chains removed. And so we should be joyfully giving thanks to our God for what he has done for us in Christ Jesus. We should sing joyfully this final hymn that we're about to sing, And Can It Be, written by Charles Wesley. Look with me at verse 3. Verse 3 in your bulletins of And Can It Be, our final song. One of my favourite songs. Verse 3. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. That's what we were. But thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. What should we do as people whose chains are gone and are destined for heaven, which we do not deserve? We should 
thank God and sing joyfully of the salvation that he has granted us. And we should thank Christ. For what? For giving up his authority in heaven, for being humbled even to death on a cross, for losing his place in heaven for a time. And coming to this earth, his home in heaven, he came down to this earth and then he was chained on our behalf in the darkness of this world. Why? For our sake. And therefore we should be thanking him. What mercy is this that God has shown us? No wonder Peter says, even angels long to look into these things. Because God has shown mercy to humans that he has not shown to angels. We should wonder at it too and long to look into these things and thank Christ for what he has done for sinful humans that he never did for sinful angels. Let us come to God in prayer now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the God who is just and punishes the rebellious. But Lord, we come before you again and we confess that we have rebelled, like the fallen angels of so long ago, and we deserve to be chained in darkness for all of eternity. But Lord, we thank you for sending your Son to be chained in darkness in our place. And so we ask that you would help us by the power of the Holy Spirit, not to presume your grace so that we sin, but to contend for the faith and to rejoice in your kindness to us in Christ Jesus and to give you praise and glory. And Lord, if there is anyone here this morning who is still living in darkness, who is still chained to their sin, oh Lord, we ask that you would grant them repentance and faith now, that they would believe in Christ Jesus and know the forgiveness of sins and know that their chains are gone, they've been set free. And so Lord, we pray that they would then look forward to the heavenly home and give you glory and honour. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.